to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to look at three metaphors for your Christian life that come out of 2 Timothy 2. And we're told that if we would reflect on these three metaphors, the Lord would give us insight. Awesome. So we're going to have three metaphors. We're going to reflect on them together and we're going to get insight. You want to say what the three are? We're going to get there. Soldier, farmer, athlete. Awesome. Mysterious. Yeah. And very specific aspects of those three things. So stick around. I think you'll enjoy it. But first, story time, John. It is my turn this week. Uh, This week, I am going to tell the story of my uh, infatuation with Juneau, Alaska. Oh, okay. I have on my weather app on my phone, I have a few places, places that I go regularly, Snohomish, where my uh, mother-in-law lives. Where we go visit every now and again. So I can check, you know, when we're packing. Yeah. Uh, Littleton, Colorado, where I grew up, just Mm -hmm. for fun. Just see what it's like there. Yeah. Uh, And uh, a few others. You have some siblings there. Yeah, and some siblings there. I don't really, you know. You're not checking on the weather to see how your sisters are doing? They can handle it. I trust them. They're (laughs) adults. Okay. (laughs) And I have Juneau, Alaska. Those three. Uh, I've, I've, I've several. When I oh. worked in uh, in Chehalis, I still have Chehalis from that. I still have Kirkland from when I went to school there. Okay. Yeah. But but the notable ones, the ones I check regularly. Yeah. Uh, Juneau, Alaska. And we, me and my wife, uh, honeymooned there. We went on an Alaskan cruise, courtesy of my wonderful parents. I was going to say, whoever gave you that gift was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Best gift I ever got. Um, and uh, so this cruise goes out of Seattle, you know, goes up to Alaska. And uh, we are big we're not big tropical people, me and Lindsay. So don't like it hot. No, don't like it hot. So, so don't cruise, like beaches. No, not really. No, no. So a cruise going to you know to Jamaica, hot beaches, Mexico. Yeah, no thanks. No way. Yeah, I. You have to pay me to go do that. <laughs> uh, but this was was amazing. It was it was August. The year we got married was crazy smoky and hot. So uh, we getting up to the wedding is like nineties and smoky every day. Uh, day of the wedding comes, it's like mid to low 80s and clear and it was beautiful mm-hmm. and then we go and we go to uh, out on the boat heading up through the, the Strait fjords. of Juan de Fuca yeah the Strait of Juan de Fuca then my up favorite the, spot my favorite geographical location <laughs> on planet earth by name at the least. Strait of Juan de Fuca anyway the little Juan goes through the Juan de Fuca <laughs> uh, and uh, you go to Ketchikan you go to Juneau and you go to a town called Skagway mm-hmm and uh, and through the fjords, it's like it's like sixty degrees, misty. I'm mm. in heaven, mm. crazy. And you have a balcony. Have a balcony. It was nuts. But we get to so so Ketchikan is a lot like Olympia. All these towns are different because they have this big um, cruise port. You right. know, it defines the town basically. Um, but Juneau is different because it's the it's the capital of the state. Yep, a lot going on in Juneau besides the 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 port where uh, Ketchikan. That's the whole industry. They kind of you know d- it disappears a bit in the winter. It's kind of like a Ketchikan struck me as like a wild west town yeah well and skagway definitely skagway's actually they maintained like their roads and things and buildings which one has that classic cowboy graveyard that's uh that's skagway okay ketchikan cool is uh yeah it's like a port town yeah you're um, right skagway is what i'm thinking of yeah cool western mm-hmm. graveyard and you can rent honda ruxes they have honda ruxes everywhere yeah all right so juno so juno uh um and ketchikan's you know nothing against these other towns uh, Skagway, quick aside, is crazy because you're in this Wild West town. You walk two blocks, 
too far one direction, you're in like cul-de-sacs and you see a little like elementary school. Like fam- people live there. So you go from like a movie set to like. Yeah, that's true. Real world is yeah. really bizarre. Uh, Juno is uh, like a very, very clean, very expensive Olympia. Um, and very small. And very small. Uh, and so everything in Alaska, it's, a, it's like um, a memory or a dream of the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. When you're here, it's I've, I've, there's no place more beautiful in the contiguous states than here, in my opinion. But when you think about it, it's bigger. It's like a painting of the Pacific Northwest. Right. Mountains are bigger. Trees are greener. The water's bluer, that kind of thing. Uh, Alaska is a lot like, is like that. The mountains of, of Juneau are right up to the water. Mm-hmm. These big, tall mountains. And they fall off into the water, and Juno's right there between the mountain and the water. And there's a glacier on the edge of town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy, beautiful stuff. Uh, I look at there during the hot months specifically because, again, not big on heat. And all through August, it's like high of like 60s or mm. mid, like like low 60s, always cloudy. How brutal rainy. is it in the wintertime? Well, it's very temperate in the wintertime. It's a lot, it, it doesn't get much colder than it does here. Oh, wow. Because it is, it's a, it's in like a sound of its own with, yeah. that, with those islands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's all of southeast the southeast region. It's kind of like the Alaskan Panhandle is what they call it. It like breaches out a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like here, just colder and wetter. Um, and so uh, I love it. The town is amazing. We go to this coffee shop. It was amazing. Uh, went to a Mexican food place. Not good. No, it yeah. was it was weak. Everything else was amazing. I can survive on weird Mexican food. If you know, in a town like this, go to a bookshop. Get this cool copy of Beowulf. This like seventies translation with like a technicolor beowulf like art thing <laughs> nuts i got it for like five bucks and it's like this poetic translation it was great um love 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 the town and so since then whenever i'm you know down on the weather here or or some of the things here uh i was for a long time i was a reporter in in uh in lewis county and did a lot of reporting on like the the flooding that was increasing there mm-hmm. so every, anytime i was like man this place is getting a little crazy I just daydream about Juneau, Alaska. Every road in Juneau ends five miles outside of outside of the city limits. You can only get there by ferry or flying. You mean they don't even turn to gravel? They just stop. They stop. They you cannot get there. Wow, it's nuts. And so, and that's the state capital. That means they go to legislature there every year, right? From you know all these other places. There have been. I learned after the, the fact. There have been uh, many, many campaigns to move the capital to Fairbanks or Anchorage or Anchorage. I think it was. One of the two. I don't know anything about Alaska other than Juneau. Um, and uh, it, it actually passed a vote back in like the 70s or late 70s, early 80s. And then it kind of fell apart. So anyway, if the world keeps heating up and things get a little too crazy, maybe we pack up our bags and go. But but it's all awesome. right. It's expensive. A lot. It's not perfect. I'm sure. And I'm sure if I was there for the cloudy and rainy all year, I'd go crazy. You might. I need the, I need the, the, the contrast. Yeah. So that's my story. There you go. I'm in love with, with you're Juno. in love with Juno. It is my uh, it's my grass is always greener place. Whenever I'm not satisfied with my green grass, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you had enough of this green grass, I want greener grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, that's the problem. In August, everything dies. You guys have this beautiful field outside your house, and in the hot months, the dog days, just dead. That that never happens in Juno. Mm. But you probably also don't get land in Juno because it's you know yeah tiny in our little brown usually green grass behind our house mm-hmm. there's a uh, blue heron that hangs out there that's cool in the winter time and it just walks around i think it lays eggs over there pretty cool that is cool all right let's get started we're uh we're talking about three metaphors john and okay. they are the soldier and the farmer and the athlete 
We normally have a good transition. This time, I don't know if there. We, I don't know if we can make one. <clears throat> That's all right. The soldier, athlete, farmer. Yeah. So, Second Timothy chapter two, and I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, you then, my son, John. This is father and son conversations. You then, my son. Who? But this is Paul to Timothy. Yeah. Okay. He who was his spiritual son. Yeah. He, yeah. I just want to make sure this wasn't like a Jesus to people. It's like you're not my. You're not Jesus. You're my. You know. No, I'm your dad. Yeah. I'm just making. I'm just. You know. Yeah. I'm, I'm voicing the concerns. I'm, your papa. Of, I'm voicing the concerns of the listeners. Okay, uh, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ, and the things you've heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust those to reliable people who will be able to qualify and teach others. Now, should have just started here, verse three. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Hmm. Okay, there's metaphor number one. What did you hear? Soldier. Well, first I hear is suffering. Yes. that That's the context for behaving like a soldier is in suffering. Yeah. Now, um, because your sister married a soldier, mm-hmm. uh, I first that's the first time I've really had up close and personal view of what this might look like. Yeah. When you think of suffering like a good soldier, what comes to your mind? Um, it, it reminds me of, uh, and I think we talked about it here recently. The um, you know, the passage. What do you expect when you? Well, it was about forgiveness. And when you do this, do you expect to be mm. congratulated? Do you expect to kick up your feet and let your master serve you? It's like no, you did what you were expected to do. Yeah, that's the soldier mindset. I think. so it's a high call, high call, and it's only your duty. So you don't, you don't. Um, no accolades, right. no rewards. Right. You lay it all on the line for a job. Yeah. And it's also maybe um, the emphasis on how seriously you take that. Yeah. It's not like a Sunday Christian kind of thing or a Christmas Easter Christian kind of thing. Right. You it's couldn't like, be a casual Christian and be suffering like a good soldier. Right. You couldn't be a casual soldier. Those don't exist. You're enlisted. You're, you're the property of the United States government. There's a big There's a big one that you realize. Uh, now that I've had a daughter married to a soldier, whenever mm-hmm. I meet soldiers, which happens all the time here, um, and they're with their spouse, I thank their spouse for serving as well. And they go, well, I don't serve. Oh, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Because it is a whole family deal. Uh, the soldier can be deployed. Um, our, our, you know, your brother-in-law was an army ranger. They had to be deployable in 50 minutes notice. I thought they took shifts kind of like that. Like he would have periods where he, he would didn't have periods have to of time be, where he didn't have to be, but that was very rare. Mm-hmm. So literally, you could be called, notified, and in fifty minutes, you have to be at the airport, bags packed, ready to go anywhere in the world. Um, Brian had seven deployments to the Middle East, mm-hmm. so uh, you are literally the property of the government. Yeah, um, and so families get broken up for long periods of time. Uh, I went to South Korea and spoke to the soldiers there at a base we have in South Korea. Um, did kind of like a promise keeper deal for them. They are deployed there for a year at a time without being able to bring their family with them. Man. And Brian did have shorter deployments, but still seven of them is a... But is, they're very intense. Yeah. The reason they're shorter is because they are so intense. But he, he says, uh, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. So but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So the obsession of a soldier is not entanglement in civilian affairs. So, um, you know, home ownership is not that common among them. Um, they all have nice cars, whatever. A lot of times they'll have a hobby mm-hmm. for when they come home. 
but they're not wrapped around the axle on on civilian affairs because I could be deployed, I could be moved, I could be restationed, I could be whatever uh, at any time. So they don't entangle themselves uh, because they they're going to move on. They're going to they're going to be gone. Yeah. And how how does that translate into a a faith life? He's this is hey son, I want you to be, suffer like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Join me in suffering as a good soldier. What does that say to you about your faith? What 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 are you getting out of this? Well, the so the suffering was what stood out first, but when I'm thinking about it, it is the civilian affairs thing, and I don't totally know what to make of it because to me it's like saying it's that it's like hey don't get attached right because you're you're moving around like with a, with a soldier as we know them in in modern you know america right um but we are called to care very very much about people so the you know the don't get tangled in their affairs I, I i'm not entirely sure what the application is there you know what i'm saying yeah i'm gonna look up this word Entangled, because I have the technology to do so. Sure. Uh, actually, in this version, it says no one serving a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. But either either way, my my question is the same. Where if you if you're called to love these people so much, then what does not getting entangled or involved in their affairs mean? Yeah, entangled is the meaning of the word. So. To be entangled is to be caught up on. Um, I think of the parable of the weeds that choke out your faith. Mm. So don't let civilian affairs entangle you from what you're actually all about. So if I'm going to be a faithful soldier of the Lord Jesus, for example, Sue and I, several years ago, that man's probably now been 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. made a commitment to one another that we would manage our finances in such a way that God could deploy us to any ministry assignment he he wanted. We would never say to the Lord, well, as long as it pays X, we can do that for you because sure. we have bills and we have debts and we have blah, blah, blah. Sure. And so uh, that's part of the entanglement thing. Do not entangle yourself in such a way that you are no longer deployable, that, that God can't call you to do or be or go wherever he wants to call you to be, do or go. Yeah. And if you can't go, then you're entangled by something that won't let you go. Gotcha. That's the way it. That's the way that it strikes me. Okay. All right. Anything else about a soldier you want to? You want to jump to the athlete? Um. One more time on suffering. So, and and we've talked about that before, mm-hmm. um, as its own kind of topic. Um. Uh. So in this context, is he saying kind of, yes sir, no sir, how high, you know, kind of thing, or or what? When what? Because the suffering, the link between suffering and soldier, what is he doing there? Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier. And it is to undergo the same type of suffering as other soldiers do. So, so like that's camaraderie to join kind of in. Thing. Yeah, join in this, uh, this platoon mm-hmm. and suffer together with other soldiers. Suffer like they're suffering. So, uh, you know, last episode we talked about the Francis Chan. I'm packing it all in, going to Hong Kong, living among the poor. Yeah. That's a soldier move. Yeah. And so we are to suffer along with other soldiers and endure hardship. I don't like the word suffer. It is enduring hardship. So it's it's not like taking a beating. It's, sure. en, it's enduring adversity. It's enduring challenges. Okay. And so that's what we're all called to do is to endure that hardship, really, of owning nothing. Paul said, I own nothing, but I possess everything. 
Yeah. I, I kind of think it's in this kind of range of not being so wrapped up in your home or your possessions or your income um, or your friends or your community that you would not walk away tomorrow if Jesus told you to. I love it. I think I'm good. Okay. The second metaphor is the athlete. He says, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Mm-hmm. Where are we going here? According to the rules. Well, he, again, again, my, my first, what jumps out of me first is the, in the same way. He's attaching these two. He's saying, just like this soldier, this athlete does this. Mm-hmm. Um, which I would, that's not a connection that immediately comes to my mind between athletes and soldiers. Except for the fact that soldiers need to be fit. Yeah, and I think I think um, with the word similar there, he's not saying these are the same thing. He's saying um, likewise mm-hmm. as a as another angle of this same conversation. Think of an athlete. So I kind of hear Paul say, "Think of a soldier." I want to talk to you. In fact, this is what he says in verse three: "Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus." That's verse two. I want you to be strong. And I'm going to give you three metaphors about being strong. One is endure hardship like a soldier. The second, compete by the rules because an athlete that does not compete by the rules doesn't win the prize mm-hmm. unless he's a New England Patriot. Because <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You know, that's yeah. the Patriots. So sorry if you're a Patriot fan, but I'm, I've just had enough. Hopefully Christine doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Um, so uh, so he says, you know, and, and, you know, when you and I were discussing this uh, episode, you said, well, were there athletics? Were there athletes in mm-hmm. Bible times? And so this is really a reference to the Olympic Games, which we discovered the first record we have of the Olympic Games is 755 B.C. And most historians believe the Olympic Games had already been going for 500 years prior to that. Yeah, if you wanted to see my mind blown, that was it. <clears throat> yeah, boxing, More than a wrestling, thousand years before Jesus. Yep, yeah, uh, speed, uh, race, foot racing. And so uh, the idea is we're in a competition. What do you think of that? Just that part of it. Hey, John, you're in a competition here. There's winners and losers. This is a contest. What uh, um, playing by the rules, you could obviously think of like, well, um, you know, behavior kind of the the law of Jesus, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, it made me think of all the times that Paul loves this language of enduring to the end. Mm -hmm. You endure to the end to obtain the prize. He uses that language constantly. Yeah. So I think this is really, really in line with that. And I don't know, you know, I couldn't read this in its original writing, but I, I would I would have some faith in this translation. Um, that it's along the same uh, means, but it's not enough to just Patriot style, cheat your way <laughs> to the end. Because if you don't play by the rules, you don't get the crown. If you don't do it um, right, I guess it's kind of reductive to say it that way. But if you don't do it the right way, mm-hmm. it doesn't count. So life is a contest. Mm-hmm. And there is a competition going on. Now, the so, competition, that's, I, I, I am kind of hung up on that. Yeah, because he uses the word compete twice. Because mm-hmm. he says, uh, um, if anyone competes as an athlete, he doesn't receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So life's a competition, not between you and other human beings. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. There's a contest going on. Mm-hmm. And you are the athlete. Each of us are athletes that are competing in this, but we're not competing against each other. We're competing against our enemy and against the world. You could say the flesh, the world, and the devil would be our three uh, enemies, and we sure. are competing to overcome them. And um, 
I'm with you, according to the rules, is a really interesting angle. Yeah, and is that simply, um, you know, you honor you honor your savior with your actions? Is that is that just basically what he means? You love your uh, brothers yourself. You, uh, as you do to the the poor and the the widow, you do unto God. That kind yeah, of thing. you could look at it as the great commandment. Um, love or the great yeah the, what is the greatest commandment he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbors yourself mm-hmm. you could consider those the rules hey here's the rules love god with everything you got and love every human being like they're your neighbor mm-hmm. like you love yourself i i could i could live with that um my mind also goes to romans 8 the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death so i have a new law you have the ten commandments this law that we couldn't live up to I don't think he's referring to those. You don't have to. Right. Not according to those rules. What rules? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So uh, there's a new law for us, and it is the law of freedom, that in Christ I've been set free from the law of death. So I'm living a Mm -hmm. new life. And so maybe it's a reference to that. Yeah. My my big hang-up was on the competition, and that that makes it – I'm I'm at ease with that one now. Think about definitely... think about the victor's crown. You know, Paul says there is laid up for me. He said I have fought the good fight, run the good race. So those are both still competing references. Mm-hmm. And now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Um, and he also said in other writings, I beat my body and make it my slave, lest I be disqualified. Mm. So this uh, athlete thing was a pretty common theme with Paul. Yeah. And the victor's crown is this crown of righteousness God's going to give you in the eternal heavens. You know, this crown that will be placed on your head, which then you will have the incredible honor to bow your knees, take off that crown, and lay it right back at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I just love that that image. It, but you don't get that crown if you don't play according to the rules. Well, and he was, you know, talk of the, the tireless people in the Bible. He, he, might, he might take that cake. It just never stopped. Mm-hmm. Talked about how, yeah, it'd be great if I died, but that's probably not going to happen because I got work to do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, he would use that language. I, he, I think, he earned it. you know, have you ever known any professional athletes or people who are obsessed with athletic competition? Uh, no professionals, but yeah, yeah, through high school people who really, really took it mm-hmm. seriously. I've known some professional athletes in, in my life, several Dallas Cowboy athletes, some Denver Broncos when we passed through there. Mike Ditka. Ditka. These guys are obsessed with winning. Hmm. And I think there's something there that Paul's saying, I want you to be obsessed with getting the victor's crown. Hmm. You're going to get that crown, but you're not going to get it if you don't play according to the rules. And so um, I do think the word rules is a little twist. All right. We're going to do the farmer one next. But before that, let's do our show and tell. Mm Mm-hmm. And our little commercial break, and then we'll come back to the third metaphor and then wrap this up with takeaways. You got it. All right. Show and tell is my turn today. And I have a uh, item that hangs on the wall here in our home studio. Mm-hmm. And it is from a trip that you described in your storytelling uh, a couple episodes ago about Gettysburg. Oh, yeah. And uh, you talked about your giant horse and Chad Dickinson's tiny little <laughs> <laughs> mule, his little bur- his little burrow, bur- yeah. burrow. Yeah. Uh, but on that trip, um, we learned a ton about several really hero, amazing leader characters for sure on both sides of that conflict. 
And um, one of them, I really, really became a huge fan of. And it, it was Colonel Joshua Chamberlain mm-hmm. uh, from the from the North. Played and, by Jeff Daniels. <laughs> in the movie and, Gettysburg. Yeah, and he is actually very good. He's very good at that. And uh, Joshua Chamberlain was a high school teacher. I forgot about that. Uh, high school math teacher. And uh, math or English, I can't remember. And uh, enlisted and uh, was made a colonel because of every officer in front of him died on the field. So... <laughs> He had not gone to officer training. He he was promoted by the death of the people in front of him. They were dying so fast. Hey, you're the next guy up. Yeah. He became an unbelievable leader um, for the for the military. And uh, his life story is so compelling to me. Anyway, in this frame is uh, basically all the leadership principles we learned in that conference. This one page, one, one shot of Joshua Chamberlain's profile, and then all the leadership principles we learned in that conference. So I had it framed, matted and framed, and it hangs in here. So we'll take a picture of it, put it on the Instagram account, and also on uh, the blog. Yeah. Uh, Josh Chamberlain's got this crazy long mustache Unbelievable in the mustache. pictures. Yeah. Uh, we walked, because in the movie, it shows like his big thing in Gettysburg was holding the one of the flanks of the line mm-hmm. uh, of the Union. And so this big, big push from uh, the south to take this flank on a hill called Little Round Top. Yep. And uh, in the movie, the Battle of Little Round Top. Yeah. In the movie, it looks like, you know, like this long range kind of thing. They walk you through where people were in this fight. They're like 30 feet from each other. Yes. Crazy, crazy stuff. And Chamberlain's men ran out of ammo. Yeah. And they literally fastened their bayonets they ran down the hill and they defended that flank without any bullets and they when they ran down they actually scared the other people off because they thought they wouldn't be behaving this way unless they had reinforcements right so then they they ran away and they held this hill with like unbelievable can you imagine in that moment to say boys let's go we're gonna run at them yeah uh just unbelievable story and one more fun thing uh, uh, at the surrender of the uh, Confederacy, mm-hmm. I forget what town it was in, but uh, uh, Josh Chamberlain uh, made his horse uh, kneel to General Lee, to as, General a sign Lee. Of, as a sign of respect. As a sign of respect, which he got a lot of heat for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what an amazing, honorable thing to do. You know, you're, you're, these guys are marching in to surrender and to end the war. And to declare, you know, they could have become prisoners of war. Actually, mm-hmm. they could have gotten. Well, they all were tra- they all were traitors, yeah. technically. Yeah. And Josh Chamberlain has his house, his horse bow in honor, generally. Uh, crazy. It is crazy. What a guy. Uh, amazing, amazing. And when you talk about suffering during hardship as a good soldier, there's a classic deal. I'm out of ammo. I got to lead these men. I'm scared to death. I'm a math teacher. <laughs> uh, but hey, let's run down the hill with our bayonets and just fight to the death. Yeah, um, that is a really it's a really compelling story. Yeah, and he was on the Union. If 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 that wasn't clear, he was he was on the 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 good guys. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, let's do real quick our commercial break, and we'll be we'll right back, back and finish it off. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. 
check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. Okay, welcome back. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We uh, were grateful for your time more than anything. A quick shout out to the to our upstream team on Patreon. If mm-hmm. you're uh, wanting to help us keep this float, we just have regular website charges, software charges, nothing big, and we always appreciate your support. But if not, uh, uh, more than anything, thank you for listening. Absolutely. And um, we made a vow to each other not to tell you what we're working on. But we, we actually we can be flaky we because we can be flaky. But we do actually have two very specific projects: one targeted for a launch in May, and one targeted for a launch in June. And so uh, we are working on future products. So and excited to tell you more. Yeah, we are. When when we have less of a less of a possibility of flaky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to this last metaphor, which is a hardworking farmer. And this is verse six. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Hmm. That's the entire part of the farmer. I think it's shorter than the other uh, items on the list. It is. Reflect on what I'm telling you, and the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So tell me about the farmer, John. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Man. Uh, this so this is more in line with the second one than the first, in that the one who strives and perseveres um, reaps what he sows, and uh, and we've talked a good amount about that recently too. How uh, reaping what you sow, as far as uh, boundaries, we talked about that, mm-hmm. and how it is the the proper way, well, the way we were designed to reap what we sow, mm-hmm. and when that's not the case, things are are wrong. But it is the way of God that you reap what you sow. Um, and, and that's uh, both a promise and um, and a threat, and, almost, and, and a consequence. A consequence, yeah. Um, so he could just be emphasizing the proper order of things, but in this context, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little lost how this fits necessarily with with the athlete. I kind of get it. You work hard, you get your, you play according crown. to the rules, you're going to get the crown. Yeah, uh, a soldier, you're going to overcome the enemy, you're going to be victorious as long as you don't get entangled in the civilian affairs. And you stay focused on your commanding officer. I don't live for my will. I live for the will of my commanding officer. He gives an order. I don't doubt it, question it, um, second guess it. Mm-hmm. I do it. So there's that. The farmer, I think you nailed it with reaping and sowing. This is about the hardworking farmer is going to sow, sow, sow. He's going to reap, reap, reap. And he should be the first. To me, this is the one. This is my favorite because this one to me is the most positive. Mm-hmm. You be that soldier. You compete like that athlete. You're going to sow all this stuff in your life, and guess what? You're going to be the first one who gets to take a, who gets to participate in the fruit of that. You, the hardworking farmer. It is the hardworking farmer, not the lazy farmer. Yeah, we did a series of T minus sevens on Proverbs, and um, we talked about laziness and the sloth. You know, uh, doesn't eat in the harvest time because he didn't mm-hmm. work the farm in the in the time of seed and planting. And, so, and even uh, 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 New Testament stuff, he who does not work, let him not eat. Right. Yeah. So uh, should be the first to receive a share. So we're sharecroppers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the truth. We don't own the farm. Yeah. 
Um, we are sharecroppers of God. We, we're working his farm and we are stewards. This is not ours. Uh, I love that, 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 that you get a share of the crops. You don't get all the crops, you, you, but you get, you get the first share. You get to, you get the early share. And what is the, in this analogy, is the crop, uh, an eternal thing or is it an, an earthly thing? Is this, um, you know, there's, um, they don't go into that depth about it, that deep about it, but, uh, potential different levels of rewards in heaven, according to, you know, things you do. Is this about that, that the one who really, really gets after it, um, you know, it sits closer to Jesus at the table, you know, with that kind of thing. I think it's all of that. I think you, I think you, you, uh, Paul said we benefit in this life and in the one to come. One time the disciples are trying to impress Jesus and they said, we've left everything for you. Mm-hmm. And he said, no one who leaves everything for me won't receive way more than they gave up in this life and in the one to come. Mm. So that, that reward is both now and eternally and at the end of these three metaphors, you know, you've got the heart, enduring hardship soldier, the rules abiding competitive athlete, and the hardworking farmer. Reflect on this, and then it goes in to describe. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may that they too may obtain salvation that is in Christ. Here's a trustworthy saying: If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown me. He will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Hmm. This is the summary, I think, of all those metaphors. What we are to do is to die with him so that we can live with him. We are to and that's endure. That's a kind of thing. Yeah, and we are to endure so that we can also reign with him. There's the victory crown. Uh, if we disown him, he'll disown us. This is interesting. That's New Testament. This is post-resurrection. Mm-hmm. And this is why um, eternal security is a fascinating conversation. Because people say, well, once you're saved, you can never not be saved. Unless, I say, unless you disown him. Yeah. So if I disown him, he'll disown me. But if I'm faithless, which, God forgive me, I can't help but be, mm-hmm. he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. So there's and that, a, and that's you being in Christ. Yes. So you're in there, and if you're faithless in Christ, I mean you're you're part of you're his covered. Body. Yeah. And so uh, there's a big difference between being faithless and disowning God. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Paul thinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then he finishes. Keep reminding people of yeah. all this and warn them, and then he says, you know, be a hard worker approved by God. This is uh, this is what it's all about. What's your big takeaway? Uh, I got one more question. Okay, we we got some time. the The labor, right? The labor and the race. Um, in a practical sense, what is this really? So, is this is this simply you know like like in your day job, you're called to work as if unto God? Mm-hmm. Is this just do your hardest at your job? Is this um, tell everyone you see about Jesus? What what is this labor? So and and the race. What's your What's your guess? Well, I, I, my guess would be that it's kind of personalized, that it, it's what you believe your mission from God is, mm. you know, to, to chase it as if your life depends on it, that yeah. kind of thing. That's interesting. I, um, I'm a, um, I'm a theoretical ideas person mm-hmm. and, um, a very practical 
tactical detail person will see this differently than I do. So your mom would see this completely. Yeah. She, that's the question she would ask. So what exactly do I have to do? What what is the sure. what is the do part of that? For me, what does the Lord ask of you? Everything. Mm-hmm. We're like a guy who found a treasure in a field, and that treasure was so valuable that we sold everything, bought the field that we could have the treasure. So these metaphors tell me it's all about him. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about knowing him, serving him being deployable by him, sowing and reaping in his farm, uh, competing for this eternal prize. Mm-hmm. I press on that I might gain the prize in Christ Jesus. Everything, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord, not as unto man. Um, love God with everything you've got, your work life, your romantic life, your sexual life, your intellectual life, your financial life, your social life. All of it is wrapped into your uh, living for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And the prize is well done, good and faithful servant at the end of that. Uh, The prize is enter in to the glory that has been prepared for you. Eye has not seen, mind has not conceived, nor has it entered into the imagination of man what God has prepared for those who love him. There's going to be such an incredible prize at the end. And he will say, enter in. Uh, you've been faithful with this. Now come enter into your reward. Uh, so I think it's an all-consuming. Like, uh, I love the phrase, in such a way that. Mm. So um, I have a job. Do that job in such a way that. You're a sure. faithful soldier of the Lord Jesus. You're a good farmer. And you're playing by the rules and competing to win. Um, you have a marriage. Live in that marriage in such a way that you are glorifying Jesus, you're a soldier of Jesus, you will not do what your spouse insists that you do. And if it violates Christ, you will do what Christ calls you to do. Mm-hmm. And that dribbles into every part of your life. And this might just be because we're recording this kind of late at night, mm-hmm. but thinking about these things exhausts me. <laughs> I, feel, I feel tired really thinking about, uh, thinking about this. Um, and this is this is a picture of the of the life of a Christ follower, right? That you know, in, uh, Sabbath rest is included in there. The rest and the joy of mm-hmm. of Jesus is included in there. Not in this particular snapshot. This mm-hmm. is this is a call to action. Rejoice! Yeah, you're free. You know, there's a lot of beauty and power and majesty and greatness in there. So how do you? Why do you feel exhausted? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I was going to ask. How do how do you live that way and not uh, you know need a nap? And just like collapse into bed every single night, you know. <laughs> well, um, this is really cool when when um, God chose the Israelites and he um, framed what their life was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. There were festivals every year. These festivals would last an entire week. Whoa. Where they ate and they laughed and they gave gifts and they danced and they celebrated the goodness of God. Sure. So, uh, you know, we can turn into Tom Brady, who wins six <laughs> rings, but seems to hate every second of it. Sure. He likes, I mean, he looks happy sometimes. He likes winning, but man, in the games and everything, it doesn't look like he's having fun. And other teams that have, other players that have gone to the Patriots say, man, it's not fun. It's work. Mm-hmm. And they win. And, and, and you know what I mean? But it's not fun. And I think that that might be what's making you tired is, oh, 
I got to roll up my sleeves, bust my hump, and be serious all the dang time. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. I think that God wants you to have, this is what the Sabbath is about. Man, when you study the Sabbath, one day a week, they would uh, laugh, tell stories. They would not concern themselves with anything productive. Uh, married couples would have lovemaking that day. It would be play with the kids. It would just be this celebration of the faithfulness of God. I don't sure. have to worry about the farm. I don't have to work today because God's got it all under control. I think the rhythm of rest and celebration and renewal is wrapped in um, to this soldier. Even soldiers have, uh, they have uh, officer clubs, they have dances and they have events. Yeah, and uh-huh. those you know stationed in uh, in South Korea, you got days where you just go into town. Mm-hmm. You're in civilian clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they got, and they got every base has a bowling alley on it. They have you know they there is a a, a, a what's that Texas Smokehouse? Is that the name of it? Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse. There's Road. one of those on JBLM. I right know now. it's the only one in the whole region, uh, and you can't even get in there without a soldier. I got to find side. me a soldier to take me to stake. <laughs> that place is amazing. Uh, and I do recognize this is a. Um, this is a call to action from from Paul. This is you know, again, this isn't like the entire picture of the life of a of mm-hmm. a Christ follower. This is a this is a pep talk. This is a um, yeah, you know, your mission if you choose to accept it, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't I wasn't saying that that Paul never took a day off or nothing like that. But <laughs> well, when I think of did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, when I think of this COVID world, mm-hmm. elections coming up. We're now 26 days at the time of this recording from the election. Um, you've got racial tension. You got protesters. Uh, a friend of mine texted me tonight and said that he couldn't get on I five from Tacoma because they had protesters had blocked off the entrance ramp. Mm. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, this excites me because hey, life's a challenge. There's there's enemies, obstacles, but you know what it's about? It's about thriving, living, glorifying Jesus, and He's got you and. We are going to win. We shall overcome. Uh, victory is ours. God has made his enemies a footstool for his feet, and we are in Christ. The war has been won. There are some battles lingering, mm-hmm. but the war has been won. And uh, so this inspires me, uh, kind of fires me up to go take a hill. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if my if uh, uh, my takeaway for this would be, because I was just thinking about you saying that, how crazy things are now. Um, the Paul himself and the people he's talking to, mm-hmm. we're living in crazy, crazy times yeah. in prosecution and, or, or persecution. I mean, similar things, um, and and just just living in the the growing pains of the the labor pains of yeah. the church. Yeah, uh, really nutty stuff. So so I kind of I can see Paul just being like, "You're a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you complaining about?" So yeah, one last thought. You know, for me, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, man. you're good. Uh, I I have thought many times in my life when I've had enough mm-hmm. and I picture myself standing in heaven and I'm standing next to Peter mm-hmm. and he's like, well, tell me about you. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I got so frustrated with this whole thing. I threw up my hands like I was so mad. What about you? Well, I had him crucify me upside down because I didn't deserve <laughs> to be crucified in the same way Jesus was. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you do kind of get that. Uh, if if you um, if you understand the suffering people have endured in the world for their faith yeah it's crazy yeah and especially we've brought up i've brought up the hall of faith probably like three times since i since i read it Mm because it's just so insane 
but these people who mm-hmm. it's kind of similar thing that the the, the uh, moral of that list is to say look at all these crazy things they did before the hope of Jesus before mm-hmm. the advocate of the spirit mm-hmm. crazy promises they were given from God that they didn't see fulfilled in their lifetime mm-hmm. now how much more should you be just juiced up yeah. to do crazy things yeah uh, it's kind of a similar thing well listen we want to encourage you to uh, be faithful as a good soldier endure hardship with us as good soldiers of Christ uh, compete man compete for that prize and uh, be the hard-working farmer who who gets a share of your crop God's gonna give you the the fruitfulness uh, of your labor and, and sowing and reaping in him hope that's encouraging to you yeah, and uh, and again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can contact us through uh, Instagram. You can comment there or private message us on our website, jimandjohn.com, uh, no H in the John. You can fill out a contact form there uh, or email us at info at Jim and John um, or on our uh, Patreon if you want to go there to learn more about us. or Patreon.com and you look up Jim and John slash yeah. Jim and John, I yeah. think would do it. And uh, you can comment there as well and, and we'll, that goes straight to our inbox. And... Uh, and yeah, uh, on our website you also see blogs, and uh, and keep in touch there for again this this projects we're working on. We're really excited about them. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.